Phil's Breakfast Metal, episode 23. Um, so, this is like middle of December now, as usual. We're doing our end of the year show before we both disappear off for Christmas. So, yeah, this is going to be similar to the one we did last year, but a bit different in that because we've actually had the podcast going since the start of the year, we've actually been paying attention this time around. <laughs> and as such, have couldn't get the list down below 20. So, this is going to be two-parter, 10 tracks in each. And this is, again combined list of both me and Rob have come up with separate lists and then we sort of aggregated and scored and obviously ones we had in both have risen to the top and (laughs) there's a few at the bottom which one of us will know way Mm. better than the other but it's a fun way of doing it. And there's an eerie amount of similarity between the two sort of top 20 lists. A lot of albums put in exactly the same position despite there being (laughs) other things going on but I think yeah I mean I guess we'll post both of our lists up on Facebook or Twitter so people can have a look and then the combined list as well which yeah. sort of shows how they're ranked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, basically, 2017, much like 2016, is another year where I was just amazed by the amount of good stuff that came mm, out. Mm. Like, I've bought so many new albums there's, this year. There's been so much good stuff this year, and it's been great to really sort of get into it. I think doing the podcast, I've looked up way more stuff than I normally would have, and there's so much good stuff out there. There's so many saxophones in metal now, and I think <laughs> that's really good. I think that's great. Um and there's just, I think one of the things that stood out to me is there's so many examples in the list that we'll get into of bands taking different genres of metal and mixing them together into something really interesting and yeah. different. And that seems to be the direction that sort of progressive metal is going now. Instead of building an entire new genre, you know, like when death metal and black metal were first formed, it's taking bits of different genres and putting them together and building something interesting out of that. And I think that's great. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. The sound, I would argue, that has just been the sound of 2017. Many people have put it down as like the year of death metal because death metal seems to have had a crazy resurgence with loads of old guard coming back stronger than they've been for years mm. and then loads and loads of new bands or bands on the second and third album releasing their best stuff so far. And actually, the sound I think that typifies this year is this weird combination of like black doom and death metal mixed yeah. with a touch of psychedelia into just hideous noise. <laughs> there is so many bands I've come across doing this, like to the point where some have been doing it amazingly who haven't even touched our top 20s, mm-hmm. but are really worth picking up still. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We just had to filter a bit out because I noticed when I was putting my list together, I was like, no, I've got too many bands that just like <laughs> sound like this hideous noise. We need some variation in genre in there. Yeah, but I mean, we'll mention all of this other stuff that we've listened to this year, which is still worth picking up, even if it doesn't make the top 20. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that right before we get to the number one slot. We'll do the Mm. usual recap of everything. But yeah, so probably should jump into an album. And so at number 20 is an album I never thought I'd see in our our kind of top 20 list. This is um, probably one of the most famous bands we've ever covered on this as well. Formed in 1990, it's a sixth album. This is Ice-T's band, Body Count. And yeah, this was a real surprise. Thing. Yeah, yes, this is Bloodlust. And I remember Phil saying that, uh, I think you tweeted when I spilled my tea whilst listening to Body Count. I was like, hmm, I should probably check this out. <laughs> yeah. And having checked it out, I was sort of blown away by how, firstly, I've really got on board with the social messages behind it. And yeah, this album yeah. has a substance and an integrity which very few of even the most extreme death metal albums can manage because it's it's talking about real things that are happening. And then I started to realise I actually really liked a lot of the music on it. Mm. It's relatively simple and straightforward, but there's an amazing groove under the lot of sort of standard heavy guitar work. There's a great rhythm section Mm. going on. And I really like Ice-T's vocals on this. As 
yeah. someone who comes from hip hop and rapping, there's clearly an amazing attention to exactly the rhythm in which you put your vocal lines. And he does that fantastically for metal. He's got a great metal voice. They do a cover of Raining Blood and Post Mortem. And it's great. And he does it really, really well. And uh, it sounds a little bit better than Tom Araya does these days. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to get on to what you reckon to the um, Raining Blood cover. But the Raining Blood cover is actually a really good point to start with the sound. Like, the sound of this album is, like, very thrash metal influence. Mm. I'd say touches of new metal. But the weird thing here is, because you've got a guy who has a hip-hop background... It works. It doesn't sound yeah. forced and trite like it did in a lot of new metal bands. Yeah, Ice T has a great metal voice. <laughs> like, it's it's quite different to a lot of the delivery of every other band on this list, but I really think it works in a mm. way which, yeah, a lot of new metal bands it didn't really quite work. Yeah, yeah. So um, he actually states this if you on on the actual CD, like Raining Blood, like the cover starts with an interview where he says the band was put together because his friend Ernie C wanted to play guitar. Yeah. And yeah. Ernie C, I think, is like one of the main songwriters on this album, is an incredible guitarist. Like yeah, everyone yeah. in this band is so good. Like the rhythm section sounds so tight and heavy. Like yeah, that drummer yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah, there is some yeah, it's just the thing that really gets you into this album is even if like like the song structures are relatively simplistic, they lock into this amazing groove and they get this really heavy sound backed up by such a solid rhythm section that you know, it's it's sort of like the best moments of Rage Against the Machine, but heavier. Yeah, um, yeah. And I really like that aspect of it. Married to the sort of lyrical integrity of what's going on, it feels really genuine for the whole thing. And all the heaviness feels like it's there for a reason. And that it, it's helping out the themes and the themes are helping it sound better and more cohesive. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, as well, like, I see very much showing off his metal credibility with the guest performances. Yeah. There is quite a few guests <laughs> on this. Like, the album is intro, and apparently, I think Dave Mustaine just sent them this, and was like, oh, yeah. can you use this as well as my guitar solo? <laughs> and Dave Mustaine doing this kind of weird authoritarian, like... Sort of like a bit soft of Endgame. I think it was like 2009's Megadeth, when, like, probably the last one I really liked. Uh, but, you know, sort of weird, the government's taking control sort of thing, which I find really funny because I don't think Dave Mustaine would agree with <laughs> any of the politics in this album at all. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it is an odd one. But, you know, he puts in a massive effort on this song, like his guitar solo. Great guitar solo, yeah. It's that kind of thing, because in the context of Megadeth, you're like, yeah, but of course they're great at guitar. But mm -hmm. then when you hear him extracted from that, you're like... Oh yeah, no, no, he's really decent. Like really, really, really good. Yeah, um, you've got Max Cavalever on this as well. Yeah, which is yeah, really cool. And Randy Blythe doing like a really decent guest mm. guest performance mm. on a song called "Walk with Me," which is massively reminiscent of Lamb of God's "Walk, Walk with Me in Hell." hell. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like like this album really holds together. Like the production, and everything is obviously amazing. Like this mm. band's got more money than anyone doing this kind of sound yeah, going to the studio, yeah. but. They're using it well. Like the guitars sound huge. The mm. the bass sounds massive. And despite there being two guitarists, um, Vincent Price, the bass player, <laughs> best name ever, um, gets like a massive spot in the mix. And like the drummer really comes through. Mm. Much mm. like we're saying with Nevermore the other week. Um, like it sounds like Van Williams's way of just pounding the hell yeah. out of the kit. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just really, really aggressive. Mm. Mm. Um, and, and fits with the lyrical content. I mean, we get a bit of a sort of weird like, splitting on the songs. Have you got a load of songs like Civil War or Black Hoodie, which are really um, pro like civil rights and civil li mm, liberties mm. mixed with um, 
kind of anti-racism stuff. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got more stuff aimed at like him, like I see just talking about life in the hood, like this is why we ride, mm. or the fucking ridiculous the ski mask way, <laughs> which is just like a really messed up song about uh, him robbing people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the other thing I really like lyrically with this album though is there's this kind of thing of like he's sort of preaching about you know anti racism, anti police brutality, and so on. But also the whole way through is pointing out that he's not really a good guy. Like, yeah, he regularly yeah. points out, like, in This Is Why We Ride, he's saying, like, yeah, I can't forgive people, though. And our old, like, bloodlust towards the end of the album is just a kind of rant about how the human condition is geared towards violence mm. and greed. And it's like, it's a really nice meshing where, because he's not putting himself out there as a good guy, yeah. you're like... This kind of works without getting preachy. Or there's, there's a, a self awareness and an honesty to it, which I think really helps it land. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think that works really, really well. And you know, there's these little sort of spoken interludes uh, at the beginning of No Life Matter and stuff like that, which I actually really like as well. They really mm. augment the messages of the song, and because like this is really about that. These there's proper sort of protest songs in this, and I'm really hoping that they get to play Black Hoodie at the Grammys, which they've been offered. <laughs> It'd be amazing. But little bits like that do genuinely add to the whole message that's going on without being too long that they detract from the music. I don't think that happens at all. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and there's there's some nice like there's a lot of mixing up the style here. Like so, mm. like Civil War, the openers. It's a really hefty track with like shredding guitar solo, like backing death metal vocals which I'm not sure who's doing them. I think it might be Vincent Price because he seems to have the heaviest voice in the mm-hmm. band. But almost everyone on this album does backing vocals. Um, uh, then you get into, like, This Is Why We Ride, which is really melodic. Yeah. yeah. And then sort of bringing back up for middle of the album, you get the Raining Blood post-mortem mm-hmm. cover, which sits perfectly in it. And as Rob previously mentioned, is a solid Raining Blood cover, which yeah, is, yeah. you know, a hard thing to pull off a listenable, like... Well, a Slayer cover that's worth anything. Like, <laughs> yeah. pretty much anyone listening to this. So go through your iTunes library and see how many millions of death metal Slayer covers you've <laughs> Partic- got. Particularly Raining Blood. Which is yeah. the go-to one to cover. Mandatory Suicide as well, weirdly. That seems, yeah. I've got loads of versions of that's that. That's a weird one. Yeah. And then, then we've got stuff like More Towards the End. Like, Here I Go Again is bizarre. That's the one where he sort of, like, Ice-T puts on this really, like, deep, affected voice mm. and just, like, plays out a weird serial killer character. But it's got a really good, like, little story as it goes along. Like, it's ridiculous, but I really like it. Yeah, I think that the thing is there's more than enough variation to this album to make it really interesting. If you just like the sort of really catchy songs from it, which I really do, that's great. And then you'll find more when you get the album. You know, I remember listening to it and I was like, oh, shit, that's Dave Mustaine. Um, and then suddenly all these guest posts are like, oh, wow, this is really cool. There's way more to it than I thought there would be. And it's, yeah, just more rewarding to yeah. actually get it than you thought it might be. Yeah, so I think the thing we didn't mention earlier, I was meant to say, for playing songs with this, because we're covering so many tracks, don't really like doing this because I always feel editing other people's music down mm. is a bit of a... I don't know, it's like tampering with a piece. But there is no way we're going to actually make this episode shorter than like... Five. <laughs> it's gonna be like twenty four hours long if we put four songs in. Yeah. Well, with Bellwitch in particular, <laughs> that, that anyone who knows about that album already will see the problem we're facing. <laughs> so what we we deem to do to make it kind of fair is just every song we're going to give them between two and three minutes and just fade out partway through, just to give you a feel of what it's about. I mean, most of these albums, me and Rob are massively into 
if you enjoy what you're hearing, just go away. Yeah. Stop podcasting. Go, go and give it a listen. Yeah. Like, yeah, this one again, if you've never listened to uh, Body Count, <laughs> give this a go because it, it's a massive step up from the last one. I've never had a particular interest in the band, but like just something about the guitar tone and everything on this, I was mm. like, oh, no, this this suddenly just works for me. Um, yeah, so yeah, off, this, off this album, I'm going to play probably one of the weirder tracks, but just a really good heavy moment. Uh, we're going to go for Walk With Me featuring Randy Blythe of Lamb of God. Actually, he does like most of the vocals on this song. Yeah, and he's a fantastic vocalist. It really adds to this one. Oh, yeah, totally. And it has like just proper Slayer riffs. You can mm. see the Slayer worship <laughs> all over it. I walk the darkness That would all grip a most man You've never seen it This came from a poison pen I'm not like you Motherfucker, don't you forget Or straight down a band of this road Soaking up just so I can spin it How can you understand me? I don't fucking understand myself How can you even help me? I gotta play the fucking hand, no doubt I fight to control it The monsters inside my brain Decimate my enemies Slow torture, bottomless pain Walk with me on the list is Olva uh, with the assassination of Julius Caesar now Olva are a really interesting band who we nearly got to covering with our sort of weird atmospheric black metal stuff but we haven't got quite quite got to that bit yet Um, Olva on pretty much every album and this is their 15th album have done something new and weird and different Uh, you know they started off as a more or less pure black metal band and then quickly went all the way to sort of film music to weird and wonderful, pretty much everything through weird electronica into synth wave, back to sort of more metal-y stuff and then all over the place. Yeah, yeah. This one, The Assassination of Julius Caesar, is essentially really poppy, dark synth music. And I really like it. So this is one I've probably been slightly kind to Rob laying this in there because this is not a metal album no, in no. the slightest. <laughs> so I, I had a few albums which weren't metal albums and I thought, mm, can I really put this in? And then at least with Olver they've got sort of the history that a lot of yeah. you know, metalheads will know Olver and really like a lot of their albums which aren't metal albums. 
Um, and so this album, yeah, it, it doesn't have you know real guitars or drums or anything mm. on it. It's all programmed. It's built around synths. But the main thing here that sort of drives the whole album is Garm's vocals. And they sound about as good as they have ever sounded. Now, yeah, Garm yeah. has been in a huge variety of different bands under a huge variety of different names, I think we've discussed <laughs> before. You know, he's been in Arcturus and done some amazing vocals there. Done a whole bunch of guest vocals all over the place. Um, but here, he's just leading these really, really catchy pop songs. There's like so many sort of choruses in these which really showcase how he can go really, really high as well as going really low. And he just has a wonderful sort of texture to his voice around these really catchy synth melodies. Um, and it's it's just really good. Yeah, it, like this is an album I completely missed. Like, there's so much came out this year. You like, I, there's loads mm. I just haven't had a chance to listen to. So until it made it onto the list uh, the other day, I'd only listened to like one track off it. Mm. Listening for it last night though, this is a really really decent album. Like one of those ones you listen to, you're like this is just immediately cool. Like <laughs> I, I'm just quite quite into this from the get go. Um, so Rob's saying like. It's basically all synth, but you've got a myriad of guest musicians. So there is yes, some drums, yes. percussion, and guitars in certain places. But also, the whole way through, because it's got that very electronic sound to it, you can never tell what's some kind of studio trickery or yeah. what's an actual yeah, recording exactly. guitar or drummer. This, Yeah, this has a very kind of catchy synth music feel to it. Yeah, I it, struggle it, to pinpoint the genre. It never feels too artificial as well. It always has this really nice flow to it. It's not as sort of instrumentally crazy as some of the sort of more recent over releases, although there are subtle nods to that in some of the songs. Yeah, There's yeah. little bits where it sort of gets a little bit weird and toys around with weird little instrumental bits for a bit, but it will always just about pull itself back. I think Rolling Stone's probably the longest on this and it does a little bit of that during it. Um, and it will always pull itself back to a really catchy chorus uh, but again, yeah, it doesn't feel like a machine. It feels really organic and fits really nicely around Garm's vocal style. Mm. So it's really over essentially proving, as they've done in all of their other albums, that they can do pretty much any genre they set their mind to. And in this case, they've taken on sort of like synth pop with the weird sort of darkness that Olver can put into things, mm. which are actually really catchy. And just do that beautifully. And I'm sure with their next album, they'll do something entirely different. And it will probably still be really good. Yeah, well, uh, showing their amazing work ethic. They were formed in 93, and this is, their, like as Rob said, their 15th album. They've also released an EP since releasing this album, because <laughs> seemingly they can't stop making new music. Yeah, Despite yeah. half of them being in other bands as well. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is the start of the massive trend. This album has two guest saxophone appearances. <laughs> um, we'll find throughout this our top 20... There must be at least about eight saxophones appearing. Yeah, I think it's great to get saxophones in metal. They sound awesome. Um, I remember looking at a few reviews of different albums that we'll have on the list where people were a bit sort of neither here nor there on the saxophone. I think it's great. I think it's mm. really good that they're bringing in these different influences. And yeah, arguably this isn't metal, so perhaps a saxophone fits a bit better. But I think just bringing in instruments which aren't normally used, and we'll see this particularly on like some of the other bands we'll talk about soon as well, bringing in new instruments just gives you a whole new sort of array of ways of expressing yourself within metal or whatever genre and I think that's a really good thing yeah definitely like I felt with this album as well it had a much better flow than a lot of previous older albums have had mm. like it's got a consistency I mean it's only 43 minutes long but yeah. a couple of their previous ones I found like because they're so into experimenta experimentation like 
sometimes you'll get bits that just didn't quite work. Yeah. And they seem to release everything. But this album pretty much works start to finish. I I think there was only one, I was only track seven I got slightly bored during. Mm. Well, I think it's a much sort of tighter album. It's much shorter and all the songs are sort of these more condensed pop style structures with the weird sort of over moving sort of slightly around the genre and slightly doing weird things with it at the same time. So it's really tightens down into a more pop format. And I think mm. that's why, for this genre, it works so well. Uh, it's less of an experimentation in terms of doing all sorts of odd stuff and experimentation with just going with something they haven't really done before. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Making it work really well. Because this, this does sound completely alien, even if you're used to, like, Position City, which yeah. is, like, their other, like, mm. really famously electronic album. Yeah, and there are moments which slightly harken back to Position City, like that slightly sort of film music, really... Uh, atmospheric feel to it, uh, but most of mostly it's it's just pop songs. Yeah, because as you say, it is really centered around like, and what Garm's doing with his vocals is much very different to Arcturus, who we covered many yeah. episodes back. He goes this more mid range kind of singing. The thing he does really nicely, which particularly if you contrast it to albums like Shadows of the Sun, where he sticks to a very, very low vocal range, which is really nice, is he really sort of stretches in both directions a bit. He mm. sits like sort of around the middle, but there are some highs and there are some lows in this, which just give it that little bit more variation that makes it really interesting, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, like it, it, We're going on about him particularly because, as I say, you can't work out what's playing what for the rest <laughs> of the album. Like the band, like what everyone's credited with in the band is ridiculous. Mm. Like, uh, Yawn H is um, credited with miscellaneous. Yeah. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and all is credited with instruments additional. <laughs> so it's, Which could be anything or everything. Yeah. Like, there's this... And keyboards and programming equally in, in terms <laughs> of... Thing, yeah, that much. actually every single track <laughs> yeah. or, or, like, one keyboard noise halfway through. So it's... Yeah. Yeah, and um, as as the title of the album somewhat alludes to, there's a fair amount in this sort of about history and about empires falling and stuff like that. Um, I really like the lyrics on this; they're really well written. The vocal melodies are really well done and really fit quite nicely. Um, and yeah, again, just fits together into a really tight sort of consistent package because some of the flaws Olver have had on previous albums, some of which are over two hours long, this is just a bit too much stuff to ever wrap your head around. Yeah, yeah. Even ignoring the crazy experimentation that's going on. So this is a really nice, concise offering from Olver. So uh, the album's called The Assassination of Julius Caesar. Is it a concept album? Because I couldn't really get that from the first couple of listens. I don't think so. Um, I wasn't. I was looking this up. I wasn't able to find a definitive answer, but I don't think so. I don't think all of the stuff on it is linked, but I might be wrong. It just seems like quite a kind of intense title. Quite an out you, there title, yeah. Just yeah. I, I I think I saw when when I first looked up. I was like, oh, that looks like it'd be a concept, but then mm. I, I couldn't get that at all. Listening. Yeah, there's but, certainly bits of it talking about Rome falling and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah. then there's plenty of songs which appear to have nothing to do with that whatsoever. <laughs> so. Yeah, so um, I think the track we're going to play from this is track four, Southern Gothic, which has... Is this the one that has that build-up to the really cool bass bit? Yes, I'm pretty sure it's that one. Cool, yeah. This is just like a, like one moment where within a kind of more poppy format, like the song's less than four minutes long, they actually do a very good build to a mm. kind of, for what the rest of this album sounds like, a heavier ending. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
brings us to number 18, and this is where we start getting the uh, the death metalisms coming in. This is a one truly, like, old-school kind of Swedish death metal influence mm. album. This is Execration from Norway. Uh, this is a fourth album, Return to the Void, released on Metal Blade Records. Bams formed in 2004, and also very important when looking up, don't confuse them with the seven other bands named Execration. <laughs> Apparently a popular name. I'm not even sure what it means. No, but, I can't remember, but... Sounds kind of cool. But yeah, this is a band, I'd say, really taking that kind of early Swedish death metal sound and running with it. They combine it with kind of more technical musicianship, especially the drumming. Like, mm. the drumming performance um, on this album is absolutely stand out. The guy is incredible. Um, but yeah, mix that with you. It's a very traditional sound, but there's just a bit of prog and psychedelia mixed in there. Yeah. I'm getting like a little bit of a 70s influence in places, especially where they extend out to the, like, the longer songs. And I'd say there's certainly like, you can feel the influences of black metal as well, like mm. tinged throughout this. There's a few of those riffs, which feel sort of like black metal riffs. And I think also you could, there's a few thrash riffs in this, where it sort of goes almost vector-like. You get these sort of really thrashy bits with these sort of like black metal atmospheric leads. And it really just adds something else. Every song you listen to on this album is constantly moving around it has the constant energy and shifting to it and you know when death metal was first a thing that was something it had that was huge because nothing sounded that fast yeah, or yeah. aggressive and this manages to keep it going in the modern day where like cannibal corpse sounds tame uh, it manages to keep that going by constantly throwing you slightly odd things mm. um, with this constant energy, constantly moving around. That's one of the things the drums do excellently is they're constantly doing something a little bit different, slightly odd groove, and then moving around into something else. And it just keeps your interest through that energy that it carries. And doing like most a song, which is just drum fills. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the, the guitars hold quite a reasonable... Because they sort of go for that... like. A, where I really got the Swedish impression is because they go more for that atmospheric sound with the mm, guitars a lot, mm. but the drummer does a lot of like the more lead position in this band yeah, because yeah. he would just be doing crazy fills throughout quite slow and tame sections. Yeah. Um, band's got two vocalists, which I only know by looking it up because they both sound <laughs> really similar. Yeah. They go for that quite standard, um, again, the Swedish approach of vocals, which... You know, if you think of like early Dismember or Untuned, mm, where mm. you can really hear the words, it's quite clear... It's relatively high pitched vocals. It's not the it's not super guttural, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some really interesting stuff with that. Um, the vocals I quite like, particularly this style, because you can really hear a lot of the emphasis in it mm. when you when they put particular emphasis and when you can hear voices breaking on particular words. I really like that. It really helps add to certain moments in songs. Yeah, and like they're going for that. Um, the album's return to the void. Uh, the cover is very much. Like, it really gives the feel of the um, the warp in 40k, if oh, you know anything about yeah. that. It's got like, all these sort of weird Cthulhu-y style demon creatures. I really like this cover, actually. This is not my favourite, but one of my favourites of this year. Yeah, it's just a very good year for album artwork. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like um, that graph of how a black hole works, mm -hmm. falling inwards, but beyond that point, like, a great mass of Cthulian yeah. chaos with, like, a weird astronaut sort of yeah, yeah, which you only, only just notice when you watch it on YouTube, so it's big enough that you can like <laughs> catch him in it. But yeah, it, it's really decent cover, and the lyrics really kind of fit that theme. Um, although they're really, really silly with tracks like Necrocosm and <laughs> Universal Horoscope, which is my favourite silly track name. Horoscope this year. spelled as a horror film, not as a horoscope. But yeah, that's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like 
real standout moments of this this album is stuff like Air Track Four, Cephalic Transmission. It's like an eight minute long song, which you've got the start off as your usual kind of thrashy death metal like Swedish sounding template, but then this builds into a very atmospheric part. Mm. But then the drummer takes over doing this really interesting drum fill, and then that drum fill just repeats and repeats as the beat. And the, the thing about that was just like, just sounded really fresh and original. Just a, yeah, a different way of driving a sort of death metal song rather than having the riff drive and everything follow it. The drums weirdly sort of drove it. Yeah, and th- yeah. that really comes in because you have these quite atmospheric guitar melodies and passages on top of it, which sort of sit there creating this ambience around the whole thing. It gives space for the drums to actually drive stuff which is really cool. It's just a different way of doing that. And it creates a very different feeling with what on the surface could be thought of as a very sort of similar genre to standard death metal. But they do it in just an interesting enough way that it completely almost reverses how the song is driven forwards and what elements are doing that. Oh, yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, Some other kind of like fun bits on this, there's there's two like minute-long instrumental interludes Mm. which work as really good builds into other tracks. And I mean... This album is only 40 minutes, and if you remove those two, it's like seven tracks long. Yeah. It's that perfect death metal thing. Like, don't have to say you're welcome. 40 exactly. minutes is the right length for a death metal album, unless you're doing something totally bizarre within which, the genre. Yeah, which which we'll get to at various points within this list. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the ability to keep that sort of tight, cut it down, and make sure there's no chaff on it is really important. And it really helps the album feel as a far more memorable piece. You'll mm. always remember that album which you listened to and the whole thing start to finish just was really tight and consistent and good rather than something which ends up outstaying its welcome. Oh yeah, completely. And, and like these these guys, like apparently they've basically been these four throughout. This is the first mm. album of the four I've actually heard, but you can tell this is a band who have got very good at working as a cohesive mm. unit. Mm. Like it just sounds incredibly tight, whereas yeah. you know, like a lot of old Swedish death metal sounded amazingly loose. <laughs> like you know, those those early entombed albums sound like they're barely held together. <laughs> yeah, I think that instrumental precision really comes into it because it is taking things that exist but doing them in a very different and interesting way and plugging stuff together which wouldn't normally fit and different riffs from different sort of genre styles, but making that work and hold together. Um, as well as keeping your attention in a way which perhaps something that's older wouldn't, perhaps not in the same form. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I think Rob's main, like we were saying earlier, like your main criticism of this album though is the drum sound. The drum is great. I don't quite like the drum sound. I mean, if you play it on some really nice speakers, we were just listening to it, it does sound a bit better, but there's something a little bit too abrupt about the whole thing. It doesn't sound quite organic enough. It doesn't really sound like a real drum kit to me. Um, yeah. it's, it's it's not terrible. There are far worse drum sounds out there by you know amazing bands, uh, but it just grates a little bit when I listen to it, particularly because the drum performance is so good. Yeah, the drum performance is the highlight moment, and mm. it has the highlight position in the mix as well. Yeah, but yeah. You, there is something weird about the tom sound. It's something a little bit odd. Uh, yeah, I, I think the snare and bass sounds are a little odd as well. I don't really know what it is. Yeah, it just doesn't feel as if there's enough reverb or enough natural sound to it. I'm I'm not sure. But yeah, this hardly lets down the album because no, like, everything else is really decent. Like as before mentioned, the vocals really fit with this genre, and then you've got that classic guitar sound that's you know the, the Swedish thing of not being as down tuned, mm. like not like the American kind of sound, which is that kind of you know completely down tuned guttural thud of everything yeah, yeah. being the low end. This is that more mid range. It's got a lot in common with black metal as well, but mm. it's all about this great guitar tone, and that kind of makes up for any issues I have with yeah. the drum sound. Yeah, it's, it's it's not a huge issue. It's quite a minor thing. Uh, the guitars as well, as well as being able to do that Swedish death metal thing, the real black metal 
influence where they can sort of drop out a little bit and do these weird melodies which are just going round whilst everything else is happening. That's really nice and that's done really well where it drops backwards so it's not taking any of the limelight but it's still present enough to give you that atmosphere and that sense of what's going on whilst yeah. everything else is going crazy. Oh yeah, completely. Like, like probably the best um, compliment for this album is the kind of completely coherent atmosphere it mm. just has this slightly sort of building dread throughout it yeah, which is exactly yeah. what i want from this genre yeah definitely but yeah i think we'll probably have more on the list soon it sounds quite a lot like this but <laughs> uh yeah so from this album we're going to play you a clip of the second track hammers of vulcan number 17 and this is a bit of a weird entry and probably of actually everything we're covering the one you're least likely to have heard before um this is psychosis from france formed in 2009 this is their third album so like a third album the album's called neptune so these guys very much in the kind of modern tech death camp except mm. something really weird has happened with this album before like i don't know quite the story of how this happened but at some point, their vocalists for the first two albums quit. And rather than replacing them with another vocalist, they've replaced them with a cello player. So what we have is this massive, like, kind of complex, sprawling tech death album mm. where almost the entirety of the lead is a cello. And the cello is present through all the tracks. 
And the bizarre thing is, this completely works. Like, I was, I've shown it to a lot of people, and it's like, probably the most accessible death metal album you'll ever hear. Cause... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, as I was just saying, this while I was researching this, uh, this is the only one that got a compliment from my flatmates whilst I was listening to it. <laughs> so, that's quite something. But it... It does do that interesting thing of if you think about vocals as just another instrument within music, could you just replace it with another instrument? And I think this shows that you probably can. Um, if you know what you're doing and you pick the sort of right instrument and you write the sort of right melodies, it really can fill that gap and keep your interest just as much as a band with vocals do. Mm, um, mm. And it's an amazing like different timbre and texture to be added to a metal album with these really heavy sort of like down-tuned guitar riffs and stuff like that. An awful lot of sort of electronic influences along this as well. Yeah, and then yeah. just having a cello carry this amazing sort of lead melodies is really cool. So like when we say tech death as well, this is more the kind of tech death that's focused on complex rhythmic elements mm. and crazy riffs like um, Solo-wise, they're completely restrained. I actually don't know if there's any guitars. I can't, on the I can't album. remember any. Yeah. No, and and it's like, and also they have, and I don't know how much this compares to the previous albums. I've not actually listened to um, anything before this one, but they've very much gone for atmosphere over um, over any kind of mm. like kind of to the face punch you'd get with death metal. Yeah. This is not it's not the most aggressive sounding album, but the song about this just works so well. And like you say, the, the first track, Phase 7, has such a beautiful gradual build into this album. You sort of get this very gentle, like, atmospheric noise with like a kind of spoken word passage. Mm, mm. And slowly more and more elements come in until about three minutes into the song. You've got the, the drums fully blasting, guitars, like, you know, chugging away. And then this beautiful lead cello bar over the top of this. Like, um... I think the most obvious comparison for combining those two styles is Nibel of Scaris with yeah, the violin yeah. over massively complex technical metal. Yeah, and, and I think I think it's the first thing I thought when I said, oh, it's Nibel of Scaris with a cello. But listening to it more and listening to the album completely, I think there's quite a lot of different influences here oh, going yeah, on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the riff structures are very, very different. Nibel of Scaris, we'll talk about them later, have these more sort of like slightly odd chords and stuff like that. This is like more chugging in a yeah, way. Yeah. It's a lot more of that in sort of slightly odd rhythms mm. rather than odd chords. It's much more sort of rhythmic and all of the uh, melodies are mostly left to the cello. Yeah, um, yeah. And there's still a lot of weird stuff done with the guitar in this, but it has a very distinct identity from Nebula of Ascaris, I think, as well as having all of these electronic influences, which you don't really see as much of in Nebula of Ascaris. So, yeah. very much its own project. So, the, the band as well is made up of two guitarists, bass player and the cello player, and one of the guitarists, uh, Rami Van Hoof, uh programs all the drums and does all the kind of, yeah. like, sort of, atmospheric i think there's like some keyboards overlaid in places mm, mm. so i think there's a lot of kind of programming stuff happening over the top of this sad atmosphere and because the drums are programmed it gives him loads of space to move into more electronic realms like the drums have a very programmed sound but yeah. i think that's what they want this this feels like an album where they're trying to make this sound as mechanical as possible because mm. it's really mechanical based everything yeah and yeah. then the super clean cello which is like it's not even for a pedal, it's just... <laughs> it's just you know, a cello, It's yeah. an acoustic instrument they've just mm. mic'd up. The combination of the two is this really... 
perfect counterpoint to each other. Yeah, there's. So I mean, I I would tend to prefer acoustic drum kits almost all the time. There are definitely parts in this where I think the electronic drum sounds work really well, particularly the softer points where it's more electronic focused. Yeah, yeah. With the heavier bits, I do kind of wish it had a more acoustic drum feel, but maybe that's just a personal opinion for this. So. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I think equally this would be let down if you had a real drummer who went in for that very clicky, um, you know, triggered... Triggered drum sound. Yeah, the, yeah. the triggered kick drum sound. Because the problem with this is the program kick drum sound and the really fast bits is a bit clicky. Yeah. And it yeah. is just that kind of thing when you've got that beautiful cleanness of the cello, mm. it slightly loses something. You, you sort of want a little bit of that weight because, I mean, the, the guitars do a great job of bringing that weight underneath cello, which is just a combination of sounds you don't hear. And, yeah, I think, yeah. and I think that's really cool, the fact they've brought this out and managed to keep it so consistent over the whole thing. Um, yeah, sure, maybe slightly better drum sound could help, but it's still a really towering achievement to marry those two sounds in that way. Oh, yeah, completely. Like, cello, much like we're talking about saxophone, like, he's making an appearance this year massively in music. Mm. Cello's another instrument I'd love to get more of in metal, yeah. like, beyond the obvious, like, apocalyptica types, mm. which, yeah, really interesting, but not exactly pushing the envelope, just doing, like, mostly cover stuff. Like, yeah. I'd love to hear more cello used in place of your kind of Dimmy Borges-style keyboards over yeah, everything. Because yeah. cello's got such a beautiful kind of tone and ability to create atmosphere. It's one of the nicest sounding acoustic instruments I can yeah, think of. Yeah. And just adds a completely different element to your sound. So sort of experimenting with that stuff, as a lot of bands have been doing with saxophones and other instruments, it's just a really cool thing to do. It just oh, yeah, makes yeah. it sound different and interesting. Because the only there's a couple of like couple of bands I can think of that have um, cello as like a major part of the sound. There's like Pantheon Eye who do like modern black metal with a cello as the keyboard mm. section, and then say a band like The Ocean who do more kind of like sort of ISIS style metal with a cello like now introduced into that. Mm. And actually, another mm. album this year that used it massively that never quite made our list was the new Leprous album. Mm. Had mm. a cello over kind of heavier structures. Like, this really works as a thing. Yeah. I mean, much like Satisfying, the problem is it's a ludicrously hard instrument to play. Yeah. <laughs> like, guitar, you can make quite a nice noise within the first week of playing. Mm. Mm. It's going to be hard to find a lot of really good cello <laughs> players up for playing yeah. very out there music like this. Uh, yeah. like, I was, uh, was going to say... The biggest criticism I have of this album is it's way too long. Uh, I was about to say that as well. It is a very, very long album. Um, and it could perhaps have done with just like cutting back on a few bits of it and getting to these highlights. Because when you get to the highlights, they're fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, really great. But has maybe a little bit too much stuff going on there. Well, it's just shy of 80 minutes. It's a long album. It's like, especially from your band releasing independently, you're just like... That is a lot to ask someone to digest in whole. Like, yeah, I find this is one of those bands where I regularly put the album on, but rarely sit through more than about half an hour of it. Yeah, really love that. But then I'm like, okay, cool, I'm, I've done this. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's instrumental as well. Doesn't help. There's something about having a vocalist that does give you more of a hook to stay. Yeah, with it. yeah, I think so. Um, but definitely a really nice proof of concept and. You know, I mean, if you were to listen to any of these bits for a certain length of time, pick any part of it, it would still be a really good listen. It's not as if the quality drops massively. There's nothing really like that. It's just this is an awful lot of time yeah, for yeah. an instrumental album, essentially. But yeah, it, like it's so well executed, though, for the most part. Any song you could take out on its own, it's absolutely brilliant. Mm, they mm. all contain really interesting changes of paces. Like 
for, for tech death musicians these guys have a great grasp of melody and yeah, slowing yeah. things down to more gentle moments but yet can really bring the heaviness when it's needed yeah the dynamics is really nice and it really you know with everything it helps the heavy bits feel heavier and then when you have the cello come in it really adds that extra texture particularly when you compare it to these softer more electronic bits so that really helps the album feel bigger yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, it's a band I'd be very disappointed if they went back to a normal structure now. Mm. I really hope <laughs> yeah. they do keep pushing forth doing the sound. Yeah, yeah. The sound is really interesting. And now they've done it once as a kind of idea, I want to see where it can go. There's yeah, got to be yeah. more places for this. But yeah, see if you agree with me and Rob on this at all. You might think this is too weird and out there. I, I, I don't yeah. know. I can't really <laughs> tell how weird this is or how, like, this is maybe this is an obvious idea. Why has yeah, no one done it yeah. before? But yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, to uh, to play this this bit out, we're gonna go for a clip from the second track of the album. Psychosis is shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
that brings us to number 16 and arguably the most metal band on our list. Definitely. Yeah, this is Al Namru from Saudi Arabia, um, who we don't know who's in this band because they're not legally allowed to do this. Um, like, if you, they're an amazing band. If you find some interviews with any of them, I think particularly Mephisto, the singers, well, not singers, sorry, the, like the main songwriter has like done a lot of speaking about the band. So they kind of, um, Kind of a black metal band formed around 2008. This is their fifth album, Encar, and they have to do this completely underground. It's totally mm. illegal. Mm. I've read interviews with him where he's saying stuff like, um, if a guitar breaks when they're practicing or recording, they have to smuggle it out of the country to get it repaired. It's fucking mad. Like the big downside to this is pretty obvious that a they're not the best musicians in the world because. It must be hard. Yeah, you, you can't be found to be practicing this sort of thing. And B, like, the album does have an almost like demo type feel to it. The production mm. is pretty rough and ready. But then we're playing weird black metal. So yeah. rough and ready production is often stuff people are really going mm. for with mm. an album. Um, it's still better than a lot of the really early black metal sort of bands when they first started out. This is still sounding a lot better than that. <laughs> Say Mayhem's Death Crush. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, um, so the band is a free piece. We've got um, Mephisto and Ostron, who were like the two kind of core members who have been there from the start. Mephisto uh, covered with, like, credited with guitar, bass and percussion, and Ostron credited with keyboards and percussion. And then the big change from the earlier material, with a new vocalist, Humbaba, who's only been on the last two albums. And so I've got one of their older albums, I think the third one, Kit Al uh, Afwan, which is way more black metal y. It's, mm. it's still got mm. a. So their sound is very much, if you imagine, say, that middle period Orphan Lamb, that kind of yeah. mesh of heavy with a load of interesting Eastern instruments you're not, you're not, like, that used to hearing. Like, yeah, just sounds you're unfamiliar with accompanying this quite, like, fast and aggressive metal. And even from this album, I even got like a few vibes of sort of Celtic Frost to Megatherian style mm. stuff, which I really liked. There's a real hard edge to this. It's got that folk metal kind of atmosphere with these different instruments and different types of melodies and scales that you're maybe not used to hearing. But at the same time, it's still got a really hard edge. It's still got some really solid double bass in it as well. It's some interesting rhythm, rhythmic patterns. Um, and yeah, still sounds aggressive. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just like I, I find most of the songs on this because it's um it's ten track album. They're all kind of short three minute songs, mm. and they all have that kind of folk metal bounciness. If you know what I mean, that, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of kind of slightly upbeat atmosphere to it. <laughs> it's all. that it's that groove that you find in some black metal bands, but taken to another level because it's got this folk influence in it. And yeah, it's kind of weirdly happy. Yeah, yeah, and yet aggressive, and they manage to make that work really well. Yeah, so we've got like kind of. The core sound is the drums and the really fast pick guitar, mm. but then over it we've got all these instruments, and no one's really credited with yeah, anything. Yeah. So I don't know if they're all like synth patches, like kind of like just patched in recordings of them, or if we've mm. got actual people playing kind of like like some kind of Middle Eastern guitar type yeah, instrument. Yeah. It's it's like if you imagine a slightly off sounding banjo kind of yeah, sound. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's really interesting and it fits really nicely. And it just sounds very different to even sort of, you know, you get folk metal bands sort of around uh, the West as well. It sounds very different to that because it's just taking this very different set of influences, which makes it sound very unique. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other thing that makes it massively unique is Humbaba's vocals. Like, he, mm. I was just saying, like, 
he vaguely reminds me of Serge Tankinson of uh, System of Down of these quite like very bombastic weird yeah, yeah. vocals and there's there's a few moments where he reminds me of Albert Witchfinder as well there's a few <laughs> bits where he sort of cackles and stuff which I really liked it's really sort of like right at the forefront and in your face uh, and still yeah kind of tuneful and kind of fun yeah, at the yeah. same time um, yeah he seems to be having a great time. Like, his performance is mm. really animated. Yeah, really sort of charismatic and really helps drive everything else that's going on. And it's not entirely clean. It's like, he does go into some proper kind of, like, screaming parts, but they're more few and far between, whereas their older mm. stuff was really mm. led by that kind of just more aggressive black metal yeah. sa- sound. Um, yeah, like, it's just a really, really decent album. You have to overlook a few things. As I said, like, the production is very rough and ready, and it has this whole feel of, like, I can't really tell what's real on it. Like the yeah, drums yeah. might all be programmed, but they might just be really badly recorded. Mm, mm. But you can't really expect anything different considering the circumstance. I think considering the way you know the way I just have to smuggle a guitar out of the country and it gets broken <laughs> sounds amazing. Like you know, so many other bands have had so much more time and equipment and money and have made worse sounding albums. So. Oh yeah, yeah, completely. Like this is gen like this isn't getting in the top twenty as well just because it's got a cool story. No. It's no. genuinely a great album. Like forty minutes long yeah, yeah. and start to finish, really catchy, really enjoyable. But yeah, it just it's one of those things like I'd love to hear this like actually with like a modern Orphan Land production yeah, kind yeah. of get the full kind of orchestra of all the random instruments they're throwing in there recorded properly. This could sound truly mm. incredible. Mm. But probably not going to happen in Saudi Arabia anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. As you said, because it's so short and it's all these sort of really short, to the point songs, you never get bored listening to this. There's always like the next song is always starting. It's always got this really like bouncy, interesting rhythm to it. At the same time as pairing off with this sort of like metal aggression, which is just really fun to listen to. Yeah, and like some tracks go more down the kind of um, folk influenced route. Like I think it's track seven somewhere around there. There's a completely instrumental one which is way more kind of folky but just with like the heavy guitar and bass mm, like rhythm mm. section and then you've got a lot more which are just like these more kind of aggressive um hefty songs like Halak or um I think it's Egwa towards the end are just mm. more more in your face um most of the lyrics aren't in English other than Trek Free Xenophobia and the only word I can tell that's in English is the chorus where he just sings xenophobia over and over again. <laughs> I have no idea what he's saying about xenophobia. Yeah, like, yeah. hopefully it's aligned with what I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, again, it is it is really nice to see bands singing in sort of their native tongue. Mm. Um, it's just a very different sound whenever you hear any band singing something that isn't English. You know, you don't need to understand the lyrics to really enjoy a vocalist, I think. So it's nice to hear different types of sounds. So, yeah, yeah, yeah can... I, I kind of wish more bands would do that. And, and I, you... obviously you understand why they don't, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the problem. I think any band who decide to not sing in English, you automatically cut off a proportion of your audience. Yeah, so... yeah, and that's a real shame. Yeah, it's a brave move to do, and some re- really carve out a niche, like Nagura Bunjit, like, mm, some mm. did really well, like, combining all those influences. But yeah, just wish a few more would... Well, I wish people would just be more receptive. Yeah, yeah, I wish, yeah I wish people would accept, yeah, just different languages. And you don't always have to understand stuff to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, basically, this is one hope people get really involved in, because mm. it's a band I want to see keep going. This is really yeah, interesting, yeah. like... I like seeing a band evolve their style this much as mm, well. Like, mm. there's been massive shifts as they've gone on, and this album is, yeah, an odd culmination. And when, you, when you go back, and I've went back and had a look at, so, listened to some of the other stuff as well, it it gives off this, like, exuberant feeling of the beginning of black metal scenes, 
because in a way it is. You yeah, know, it's yeah. in a place where this is not an established scene and, you know, it's genuinely dangerous to do this, which is way more black metal than any of the actual, you know, starting grounds of black metal. It wasn't really that dangerous to get involved in black metal in Sweden, for example. <laughs> but, yeah, this is incredibly metal, really cool, and gives that feeling of being at the edge of this huge sort of discovery amongst whatever scene there must be that exists there, which is just an awesome thing to hear. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, from this album we're going to play the uh, aforementioned Xenophobia. formed in 2008 they're a russian band uh, a trio of them and uh, we were just discussing a thing that's a little weird about this we've got ivan who's on vocals uh, maxim on guitars and sergey on drums and there's no bass credited which when you listen to quite a lot of bits of this album uh, the album's called i sounds really weird it sounds as like there must be a bass hidden in there yeah yeah 
But uh, the band themselves are a weird sort of meeting of technical death metal in sort of like the Gorguts Obscura style uh, meets grindcore. Sort of mm. like you get this ulcerate sort of counter decapitation thing coming in. The guitar is all over the place playing these crazy fast riffs, then making really odd noises. There's some strange pinch harmonics in this weird string bends, which sound really strange but really interesting and constantly keeps your attention in that sort of grindcore thing of constantly throwing new noises at you that your brain has to try to process quickly enough. Backed up by, you know, not quite ulcerate-style drums, but pounding drums which are shifting from blast beats going all over the place, and then, you know, really harsh death metal grindcore-style vocals. Um, and the album is, yeah, it starts off incredibly aggressive and fast and sort of kicks you in the teeth immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the first track is um, yeah. bloody intense two minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then I think, as you were remarking, it gets weirdly more melodic as the thing continues. It's only about, I think, 35 minutes long or no, so. That's 28. 28, yeah, yeah. It's a really short album, but they bring in some more interesting stuff towards the end. Um, some of my favourite... Uh, tracks like he saw himself adds this like weird synth bit at the end which is really unsettling alongside this really sort of fast blast beats and crazy fast guitar riffs and harsh vocals and it yeah it just sounds sort of apocalyptic at the end of that and then there's tracks like um consume thy consumed flesh or something, yeah, something yeah. like that one of the ones in the middle which just has some of the weirdest guitar noises from some of the melodies that I've ever heard and I really really like that um, there's another band we'll be covering later who have a very similar feel to this but mm. they, this was the first of the two I actually came across and really interestingly second independent release on this list and the first debut mm. like although they've been going since 2008 they've got one EP before this yeah, yeah. and for a debut this is so incredibly polished yeah, possibly yeah. to do with the fact they've been going a decade mm. almost mm. but like, the playing ability is spectacular. Mm. Now, my guess is Maxim must be playing multiple guitar parts and bass on the studio recording. I think so, yeah. We don't actually happen to have a physical copy with us, so we can't check that for sure. But looking up on the band camp and things like that, there's no credit for bass or multiple guitar parts. Uh, and I have watched, there's a couple of uh, reasonable live videos where you can see some of the stuff going on. And there it is, just guitar, vocals and bass. And, you know, the sound quality of these videos isn't amazing because it's very hard to get that done. But actually sounds really quite solid and really good. Even when you've switched to these really weird guitar melodies, the pounding, like, incessant drums and the really deep, harsh vocals keep this momentum going, which you think might be lost if you don't have a bass or another guitar yeah, to yeah. hold things together. But the insane speed and sort of, like, nature of how they flit around between so many different riffs... Uh, really manages to hold that together um, and, yeah, just keeps you with this incredible intensity that the album has. Oh, yeah. And this is an album that really doesn't let up. It's eight tracks. It's under under half an hour. Yeah. Every track is under the four-minute mark. I think mm. one towards the end is slightly yeah, longer. I think there's two. One's nearly five and one's a little over four, but, like, those are the really long songs on this yeah, album. Yeah, and, and they kind of... They, you, you get this feeling of, like, oh, this has gone on quite a while yeah. with them because, like... <laughs> You're through the first two tracks in under five minutes, and, mm. and they are so pounding and aggressive. Like they really do have the kind of energy of grind coupled with yeah. the most um, upsetting things you could do with tech death. Like well, there's definitely nods yeah. towards like sort of harvest floor era castle decapitation mm. in there. Mm. Like just lots of like guitars going off in different directions. Lots of playing with dissonance and like yeah, yeah doing yeah. lead passages that just like. 
individual screaming notes mm. played like set you just get the same note but just squealing over like quite yeah, a... the, the guitar sounds like it's being hurt in a lot of these songs which mm. really gets it across but yeah the technical proficiency as well is top notch to be able to hold that stuff together with only three people with all of this stuff going on is is crazy and having watched some of the stuff live they really hold it together which i'm amazed by uh, yeah, just for the complexity and the ever-shifting nature of each song. Oh yeah, completely. And like Ivan, the vocalist, definitely does. Like he is what you expect from this kind of tech death. Mm. As a vocalist, he mainly goes for the guttural, like the really low, like near belched vocals for yeah, a lot of it. Yeah. That are I've got no idea what the lyrics are. No, no. But he does keep things interesting. He throws in quite a lot of highs. Like there is a lot of variation mm. in his vocal mm. delivery, which is I think essential for these kind of albums. Like, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of tech depth where a singer has one noise. Yeah, and <laughs> just get that noise constantly. Um, yeah, it's nice when everything's changing because, you know, within about 10 seconds, you can have gone through like three riffs in one of these songs, which is, yeah, crazy, which makes the long songs feel even longer because you'll go through so many different motions during it. And there will be longer bits where I have a riff that stays around for much longer. Um, he saw himself got that bit where it then brings the synth in and builds it up. So it does still have those moments where it has a little bit more melody um, and sort of builds more. But most of it's just this sort of breakneck assault on your senses, which I really like. Oh, yeah, yeah, completely. Like, this is an album that I, I think is perfectly suited by being short as well because mm. it's such a punishing attack. And I love yeah. how they've... There's only about three moments in the entire album, I think, where they sort of pull back from this absolute <laughs> yeah. bludgeoning. There's a couple of really nicely used, like, bass interludes where, mm. like, the bass, like, whoever's playing the bass on this will do, like, these cool, like, little tapping sections. Yeah, or... some really cool. And then, then the guitar will sort of come in with a weird, like, tapping section over the top of that, and it will all build back up into this crazy sort of maelstrom of sound. Yeah, yeah, and, we, and with the drummer just, like, <laughs> the drummer doesn't really, he's either not playing or he's just 90 miles an hour, which, yeah. is, <laughs> again, it just really suits the genre. Mm. I, I do really like this intersection of tech death and grind, and I don't, mm. outside mm. of Castle Decapitation, I don't think it's something I've hugely heard before this year. Yeah, it's, and it feels like a, a pair of genres which, you know, about that, it, marrying that incredible intensity together with really technical professional musicianship seems like it should be something that should be huge. Yeah, uh, this yeah. is another example of a band who've taken that idea and done it really well. I guess, I guess the problem is for a lot of bands doing this, you spend so long working out to play and put together riffs like this. And to most listeners, it will just come across as like <laughs> just an impenetrable. Like, there's so much going on in every yeah. little moment. This is an album that certainly bears a lot of repeat listens because there's a mm. lot you'll miss mm. on first run through, especially with the earlier tracks where it's really going full pelt. Yeah. Another great thing about this album, and like we're seeing him all over the place, but it's another Paolo Gerardi cover. cover. Yeah. yeah, awesome cover. So he's getting a lot of work from a bunch of really good bands. So that's that's great. And, and his artwork really suits this kind of style. It is these kind of like very invoking chaos, like maelstrom mm. type mm. type things. Lots of like minuscule details that don't really make sense on closer yeah, yeah. closer inspection. And yeah, I just really like his covers, and they really suit this kind of like ultra brutal death metal yeah and definitely and brutal in the good way not in the kind of slam death style <laughs> kind of slam death can be good but I just hate the kind of way it's like, it seems to always adhere to rules this seems yeah, to be yeah. actively not doing that actively trying to push instruments and songs and sort of structures in ways which people 
haven't really done very much. And I think, yeah, that's really the spirit of death metal and grindcore for you. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's nice to see that this, like, there is still, like, an outer limit to extremity, but there's mm, ways mm. of pushing these things where we're still hitting something that sounds upsetting and terrifying. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's the most jaded metalheads. Like, this is still a pretty intense listen. Yeah, there's, there's a few albums like this on the list where it is just, you listen to it, and even knowing a huge amount of death metal and being really into that, you still think, oh, that's a bit much, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you listen to it, you think, no, actually, that's great. That's really good. But I, I like that I, I really kind of got nostalgic for having that learning curve with mm. music again. I haven't mm. had that since, you know, as a teenager with first discovering, like, Nile or something. Yeah, and yeah. it's great to have that again with all these bands who've just found a way to suddenly push things. Yeah. The the worry is the way they found to push it is by being just ultra-complex <laughs> impossible to play. Incredibly good musicians, yeah. And, and also, a lot of these bands, like, I've never seen them live, I don't know if many of them even toured the UK, that you do have that question mark of, like, can this be played live? Can you actually do this? Based on what I've seen of Befiamat, they can manage it. Um, again, relatively low quality YouTube video, but you can see what's going on, and it looks to be really tight. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if they ever do end up in the UK, I'd love to catch them. And like this, this album has like your standard sort of production for this kind of thing. It's pretty clean, but hasn't gone too far. Mm. Drums are a bit triggered, but the thing is, like, listen to George Goliath on this subject, like. There's no way to play this fast with this intensity and not use triggers. Like because it, it would just sound like a mess. There's yeah, you, you couldn't get that sound to distinguish from each other. It would just sound like rolls or something. Yeah, and that, so if you want to go for that kind of more clear, hear all the instruments production, you can't you can't have it that way. If yeah. you're Wilson Throne, you can go you know that fast with the kick pedals and just have the rumble of thunder underneath mm. but this requires a precision for something hyper technical where you're meant to be able to pick out sort of every hit you can't really do that and like as much as it's triggered it's not like ultra clicky it still no, sounds no. like real drums to an extent it's just yeah. like it's, it's always the criticism with this that I have it's like oh, I really wish that drum sounds ever so slightly better but it's I, yeah I it's, it's a really. very difficult thing to do yeah so from this album we thought we'd go for a clip from the final track um he saw himself, which, as Rob says, is like kind of the atmospheric closer with yeah. like a bit of synths layered over the top. Like we like rather than going for just standard like you know that kind of leaning on one note for a while, it's like quick stabbing sounds it's, on it's the thing. Almost like the bit from Psycho, that yeah. sort of thing. It's almost like that, which I think yeah really adds to the intensity at the end of this track and the end of the album. So yeah, yeah, yeah. really strong closer.
Next up, number 14, we have the first of many bands from Denver. This is Spectral Voice, uh, Eroded Corridors of Unbeing on Dark Descent Records. Dark Descent Records are one I think we'll see again in this. Mm. Like, they have been a new find from this this year, and they are such a good label if you like extreme music, but extreme music with that kind of um, very dark, oppressive sounds, like, yeah, or, yeah. you know, the stripped back production. Um, just absolute horror. Um, and this album really fits with their kind of uh, their standard sound. This is a band formed in 2012 and yet another debut album. Although mo- three members of this band are also in Blood Incantation, oh, yeah, who released yeah. the amazing album Star Spawn last year, which is yeah, just like if you're into that new kind of like basically the amazing coming forth like American black metal scene it's one of the best new releases in it like a mm. real essential purchase if you like that kind of more modern black metal sound Spectral Voice are a very different beast and I believe um, which member is it who isn't in both yeah so there's a guitarist who isn't in Blood Incantation the drummer other guitar drummer slash vocalist oh no 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 I am wrong E. Wendler, the drummer slash vocalist, is the member who's not in Blood yeah. Incantation. Oh, yeah, yeah. And two guitarists and bass player are all the guys from Blood Incantation. Mm. This is a completely different style of music. This is kind of... Death metal meets the kind of death metal end of Funeral Doom. Yeah, and I clarify yeah. both because it does move a lot between the two mm. genres. Mm. You have a lot of fast bits as well as your, like more traditional like a Vulcan esoteric style funeral doom yeah. I guess the thing is is because when you sort of go into this it really feels like a funeral doom from the perspective of a death metal band and then you get a bit which for a death metal band is still slow but yeah. for if you compare it to funeral doom it's very quick uh, and I think they do a it's one of the bands that I really like they do a really nice job of taking those two bits where you'll have riffs which wouldn't be out of place in Bolt Thrower or something yeah, like yeah, that completely. or old sort of like throwbacks to you know American death metal um, and then it will go into these much, much slower, more atmospheric, led by these sort of melancholy lead guitar rhythms, transitioning back to this like tremolo picking, medium tempo, I guess, death metal. And it will work those styles really well together and switch between them in a way where it carries this sense of doom throughout the whole thing, but still has bits which are just bits of really good death metal. Yeah, and uh, like the the whole production like really leans into this as well, like. It's a very, um, like the guitars are very, very distorted. Mm. Nothing's that clear. The vocals are very low in the mix. And like, they're a really low vocal, but like low and sort of rasping. Like they're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're weirdly kind of like, I, I don't know quite how to describe it. It's like they're not the primary position you'd normally mm. get with a vocalist. Mm. It kind of, it's part of the background noise. Yeah, the whole thing's a bit muddy and there are bits where it will descend into sort of feedback and stuff. Even within songs, there'll be these bits where the guitar just holds on long enough to get a bit of feedback going and it gives the whole thing this slightly muddy, distorted atmosphere which really works for the sound they're going for. Oh, yeah. It just, it fills out those gaps and makes the whole thing sound way bigger than it would otherwise and that, yeah, just makes these riffs land. The real Funeral Doom thing I was getting from it as well is they do a thing that Evoke and are really good at. It's like, They'll have most of the band doing like a really heavy moment, but then right at the top of the mix, one of the guitars will go completely clean mm, tone mm. and pick a few notes that ring out. And it's just a very strange sound of having this kind of 
distorted mess under yeah. a very bright kind of clean melody but also normally quite a horrible melody quite yeah. a uh, unsettling sound yeah it's often sort of unsettling and sad and that sort of thing and it it is a really unique thing to Funeral Doom and it's really nice to see that brought in with your more sort of traditional death metal as well it helps to have that change of pace because Funeral Doom is something that's very hard to do for long lengths of time it takes extreme musicianship to get that working yeah, yeah. so to be able to switch that up with other slightly faster and maybe more brutal elements really works in this album's favour and I think as well um, this probably and I don't know how much these guys are able to reproduce this live another band I've like not actually had a chance mm. to look up live videos um, would work better in a live setting because Funeral Doom has that kind of thing because of the total lack of pace mm. it's kind of sometimes hard for an audience to get into this this because of the builds like you have very long two three minute sections going extremely slowly and then a sudden build to a really heavy yeah. bit like that is something an audience can get behind so much so I would love to see some of these songs reproduced in that context it gives it this such huge weight when the heavy bit comes in because you have all of this sort of slow build up and it yeah it's got that amazing emotional release of having all that build up and then you sort of go in for the really heavy riff yeah yeah completely and it just keeps things really interesting again it's quite mm. a short album like it's only 45 minutes five tracks um most of them are around the seven minute mark although there's uh visions of psychic dismemberment uh track two um is 14 minutes long although the last four minutes are near enough just distortion fade out i think there's a thing we can pick up a few funeral doom bands on as well with um esoteric is a prime culprit of just fading out for too long yeah yeah it is fine I, and i really like it when it's within riff structures i think that works really well and pads things out and just puts more interesting sounds in there but when you have you know anything really approaching over a minute at the end of the song it does get a little tedious yeah fortunately is that's the only track they're really guilty yeah. of this the rest yeah. of the album is, is pretty amazingly tight mm. um like the performances are all brilliant as you expect like the rest of the band are relatively veteran musicians and I don't know if the drummer can do the vocals at the same time, but if he's capable, it's impressive. I'm really interested to see that, yeah. It's always a really difficult thing to do as a drummer, to be able to, you know, sort of keep yourself in the right position and then do these sort of guttural vocals at the same time. So, yeah, it'd be awesome if you could get that live. I'd love to see that. I reckon it does, though, because the vocals, the other thing about the vocals in sound, they're really sparse. Like, he mm. doesn't do a lot of them. Like, yeah. Per, yeah. Like, they'd, they'd be whole two, three-minute sections where there's no vocals or, like... A, the odd word. Um, and yeah, it, this is just another really interesting album, much like the one before. It just feels slightly different. Mm. And like being a debut as well, it's like, this is a complete package already. The mm, cover's mm. like an absolute beautiful work of art as well. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, fitting it into exactly the right time frame for an album, you know, they've, on the first try, they've managed to separate pretty much all the chaff off it and just give you a really solid package bar all the sort of like the one bit of feedback that goes on too long but hey you know yeah yeah I, I mean this might just be me and Rob there's probably people who are really into that kind of sound yeah, like yeah. there's a reason there's a lot of people doing it <laughs> but, but yeah you, oh sorry yeah no it is say amazing consistency for a debut as well you don't normally get things like that where the whole thing is solid every single song is really good and has some great riffs in it as well as just really nice transitions between your sort of different styles here of your funeral doom and your straight up death metal yeah, the, this is an album we can't say too much about because purely, like, it's it's all about atmosphere. So mm. you don't. It's, this is not an album you come away from thinking I really love that riff. It is that thing of going, I was just into that, yeah. but I can't really tell you what happened <laughs> to a large extent. It's like 
there were quick bits and there were slow bits and it all sounded really, really menacing. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's about it. So yeah, if you are after something that is just menacing and oppressive, mm. but they may be less into any like kind of technical elements, this is like the perfect style. Yeah. And I'd yeah. say a really good gateway for death metal fans to get into Doom. Oh, definitely, yeah. Particularly Funeral Doom, which is often a harder sell. If you're into that, or you know a few like sort of death metal bands who go a bit slower and you like those moments... Definitely check this out because it bridges that gap really nicely. Yeah, so uh, from this, like, we could have really gone anywhere with it, but we thought we'd play a bit of the first track, Thresholds Beyond. brings us to number 13 uh, which is one of the ones which is one of my favourites well not one of my favourites one of my sort of rated highly this year uh, this is Primitive Man's Caustic uh, and this is in my opinion one of the heaviest things that I've ever listened to it takes a sort of the distilled aggression and nastiness of bands like Anal Nathrak and then slows it down to a sort of proper funeral doom style pace and there are some fast moments but most of this is just built out of horrible weird dissonant guitar and like incredibly aggressive and distorted vocals which create this really unsettling like misanthropic package uh which just feels incredibly heavy 
Yeah, so the the band were formed in 2012, and this is a second album, although they've done like um, quite a lot of EPs and splits mm. and so on in the meantime. Um, yeah, much like Spectral Voice, another band from Denver. Not yeah. the last one on this list <laughs> either. Um, yeah, and th- this album, much like Rob said, it was absolutely punishing. And mm. I think it's totally what Primitive Man are going for. They are trying to make the kind of just most claustrophobic, over-the-top yeah, sound you can yeah. think of. Yeah, these are some of the most sort of nasty and like sort of blood-curdling vocals that I think I've heard. And it's sort of mostly the same sound, although it does vary it up with some much higher vocals. It's Ethan McCarthy on guitar and vocals. Uh, and But most of it's this one particular noise, which I don't know any other vocalist who can quite make, which just sounds so, so unpleasant. And I really <laughs> like it. Um, and it's got over these giant walls of feedback coming off each guitar note that comes through it, which sort of like pounds its way through with these drums, guitars and bass underneath. Um, yeah, just a very upsetting album full of, you know, lyrics that are horribly misanthropic and nihilistic. Uh, mm. One of my favourites would be Commerce, which is all about, you know, living your life day to day as a slave to paychecks and stuff like that. Uh, whatever you think of that, it's aggressive and horrible and all the lyrics are nasty. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The video for Victim, which is the first thing I saw for Primitive Man. I've not seen the video. Oh, it's, it's a very angry, naked old man. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's quite. It's, it's not, the, not, not a safe for work video. Quite upsetting and it fits the music so well. Uh, yeah, extremely heavy, extremely upsetting. Uh, it goes on for a very long time, and if there's anything that would be my one criticism of it, is the album's, I think, nearly 80 minutes long. It's al- it almost exactly the same length as Cyanosis' album. Yeah. Although, I actually think this being almost too long as part of, like, <laughs> what works, that, like, just, this exudes hate, and it's yep. like, yep. you think there's too much of it? Fuck you, <laughs> like. <laughs> well, you're going to hate it now as well. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of fits itself into um, these three pieces, because there's a couple of interlude tracks, which mm. are named Escape Me at the moment, which put more sort of a minute or so of just sort of feedback and not much happening so I like that it it has that thing where it sort of splits itself into sections so you have each discrete part with like different songs in it Um, and it does have bits where it gets faster Uh, never that fast but there are bits where you've got almost blast beats and like a little Mm. bit quicker a little bit more aggressive which does help vary it up because 80 minutes of the same speed is pretty much something that only Bellwitch and Ahab can pull off, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's oh, it's a crushing album to listen to. You know, if you listen to any of the tracks, it just it just crushes you under the weight of those guitars and those just horrible guttural vocals. Yeah, and and like they seem to not put a foot wrong atmosphere wise. Like mm. they they manage to con- like maintain the sound for so much of this album. And I guess maybe it's because they've been quite sparse with their releases. Like only doing two albums in six years is yeah. kind of, you could tell this is a band trying to like hone a formula perfectly. And they kind of have. I think the reason it's only made it to 13 is because it's just a bit too much. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's one of the, one of the harder listens on this list, I think. Yeah. Um, I've, yeah, I've been getting really, really into it and maybe, maybe with all of these things, you know, over time, this list will probably change massively and it will rise and yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. find new things. But yeah, this is a really nice thing. If you like sort of, horrible hellscapes of misery and anger and hatred then go to this and I really think this is a another interesting step in taking 
really aggressive, nasty emotions and putting them into a form of art. I really think this does it in a different way to an awful lot of bands who've done it beforehand. You know, a lot of metal is based on taking things that are horrible and miserable and putting them into music. And Primitive Man does that in a very new way. And I think that's really interesting to check out. And yeah, I think it's definitely an album to like push through with. It's one that you, this won't make sense on first listen. Mm-hmm. You're not going to you're not going to put it on and be like, oh yes, it's great. It's exactly what I want. But give it a few tries and it really works this way in there. Like, I think I'm really fucking weird because I really liked it on the really? first listen. <laughs> like, like, I, it took me a while because I was like, this is this is intense. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, it's slowly grown on me a lot more. But like we were talking about and we'll talk about with other bands, it's nice to have bands which challenge you a bit and you think, really? Is can I get into this? And then you find that you can, which is you know just the feeling of finding death metal for the first time and all sorts of other extreme music genres. Oh yeah, completely. Um, I don't know, there's probably not a huge amount else to say on this. Like, uh, yeah, I think it has to speak for itself, really. Yeah. Um, that's think, condensed misery has to be felt. I think the other thing I really like about this, when I looked at the band, all the photos of this band look scary as well. The guys <laughs> in this band look terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Which I think just perfectly sets off. There is no friendly bit about this, <laughs> yeah. other than maybe they're on relapse records, which seem like relatively nice, yeah, normal seems, seems label. Like a, a weird mix, but hey. But yeah, yeah, it sounds like a Dark Descent release. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for this one, I'm going to try and find a small clip from the 12 minute track Commerce, which yeah. summarizes so what they sound like. I think Commerce, both lyrically and musically, is probably my favourite song. It's the most sort of like. It's not concise, it's 12 minutes, but it's the best sort of message of exactly what primitive man mean, and they mean fuck you uh, <laughs> in any form. But, you know, this is a really nice bit, and finding a nice section from that, it will give you everything you want to know about this album. Yeah, yeah. All right, this is Caustic.
so we've just realised that we are not giving people any breaks for this one. <laughs> like, probably we have a, a trio now yeah. with Primitive Man just gone of the most horrible stuff we've heard this year. <laughs> so this band, completely other in the scale from Primitive Man, less of like sort of a doom death metal background. This is more a kind of combination of grind meets noise rock, mm. meets some more just traditional rock elements. Yeah. This is the second album from the Brooklyn-based uh, band Couch Slut. Um, this album's called Contempt on Gilead Media. Uh, so we have here, we've got four piece of uh, vocalist guitars, bass and drums. And like the initial thing that really gets you with this is, is an album that opens with just walls of fuzz. Everything about mm, this album is mm. fuzzy and like they don't really want you to ever quite know what the hell is going yeah. <laughs> on. Uh, vocalist Megan, her vocals are just incoherent screaming you can occasionally get very upsetting lines of lyrics yeah, from. yeah distorted out of all hell which you know when you do hit the lines you think is probably a good thing <laughs> but it, you know it does it with that rage and that thing where it's completely uncontrolled and going mm. everywhere which the stuff that they sing about deserves <laughs> yeah yeah this it's just one of those albums where like i was immediately sold on it because it's just like this is just, like, again, like Primitive Man. It's just really, really nasty sounding. Yeah, yeah. And and taking, like, I guess elements of hardcore as well as, like, sort of, I guess probably more of a hardcore influence than a grind influence, actually. Yeah, I think so. And then, yeah, you've got the sort of noise rock. There's bits of, I've seen people comparing it to bits of Oxbow and stuff like that. And I can see that link. And then people have also been talking about um, black metal, sort of like Dark Throne. And I can just about see it. Yeah. And I've seen some interviews with some of the band members and they were saying sort of these influences do exist for them. It, it may have bled in, but it's not really the thing that's at the forefront. But I think you can see that at least the tonal similarities yeah. where you have that sort of extremity, which you sort of just about see in some black metal as well. So I think there's sort of a yeah tonal link. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they go for quite traditional sort of five minute more verse chorusy songs, but just a lot of interlinking of fuzz everywhere, like constantly feeding mm. back guitars. Um, and yet, because everything's so distorted, it never really quite resolves as you would expect <laughs> yeah. something to. Like, there's very, like, say, like, the first uh, track, Funeral Dyke, just, it's just, like, wall-to-wall. It's mm. all heavy, it's all upsetting, it's yeah. all distorted. A bit later on, you get to tracks like Snake in the Grass, where you do really weirdly in the middle suddenly comes to quite melodic like a very yeah, discernible yeah. guitar riff appears and yeah. even a nice bright like lead guitar yeah, solo yeah there's some really beautiful leads in this and then you'll have other bits where you've got sort of a fairly like standard aggressive punk riff where over the top of it you've just got this feedback like static dissonance which makes it feel far more sinister than it should yeah um, yeah completely combined with some more like sort of quieter and atmospheric sections which then bring you back into this sort of nastiness and these horrible screamed vocals uh, yeah, um, and I guess we have to talk about the lyrics at some point. Uh, I don't think we'll just skirt around them. <laughs> it's always like they're not. It's not offensive. It's just I like, near enough like put a trigger warning on half of it. Yeah, particularly yeah. track five, which I think is probably the highlight of the album for me. Summer smiles is Very just a really upsetting story of someone getting raped, but told in this like completely horrifying manner yeah, by, yeah. like yeah Megan's before like Megan's performance on this album is completely standout she's yeah, doing exactly yeah, exactly what you'd want with the lyrical content of just 
just making the listener feel so weird. Yeah, I mean, Council Light have always been this sort of weird, very controversial band. If you look back to their first album with the cover of that <laughs> album, it's always been this sort of like completely uncompromising, you know, disturbing and aggressive. And it's always been that way. I think I saw in an interview, they were like, are you mean to be this transgressive? And they were like, oh no, we're just being rude. Yeah. Uh, also, do not look up the first album cover at work. It is definitely yeah, not safe yeah. for work. Don't do that. Um, Whereas the cover to Contempt is absolutely amazing. Yeah. You can't it's, look it's that one at work. Yeah. I really, it's, it just doesn't look like anything else. It's kind of these, uh, like, I'm not quite sure how you describe, like almost like a 70s Comic yeah, yeah, I said something like that. Yeah. Uh, in black and grey, and it's just yeah. It, the album's called Contempt, and the front cover here is two women sort of like happily chatting while a man's being executed in the background. <laughs> it's just yeah. There's something really good about this, mm. and it's like uh, so the recordings done very much in house. Uh, the most of the sound, like most of the album, was done by uh, Kevin Wonderlich and Amy Mills, the previous second guitarist, yes, yeah. who's since quit the band but still working on putting the album together. And actually, I watched a live video of the band, and she was, I, I think it was her doing second guitar on it. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and also, yeah, from live videos as well, Megan is pretty much exactly what you'd expect. <laughs> I heard it, like a completely unhinged performance. Yeah, yeah. It's just what you want with this kind of music. Again, these, this is a style that will appeal to certain people and other people will... <laughs> this run of three bands we're doing, you're either <laughs> going to probably be into a lot or have no time yeah. for any of it. <laughs> I don't know how much else there is to say about this one. It's like, it's a relatively short album, but it... It really packs the punch. And there's and there's so much to explore on this. Every repeat listen, you'll start going through riffs again. You think, oh, that's actually really good. Because the first time you listen to it, you were just bowled over by this sort of static aggression and dissonance, which you didn't get. And there's so much there's so much to unpack in it. Um, oh, yeah, no, the other thing as well. We're talking about guest saxophone. The, the song <laughs> we're going to play opens. We've, like, you'd blink and you'd miss it. Guest saxophone performs. <laughs> where it's just under a wall of fuzzed out yeah, guitars. Yeah. But equally just playing... Completely dissonantly, like just everything is trying to make a horrible sound. Yeah. And, except for the few bright, clean moments yeah. that suddenly come out. A few out bits of it. where it's actually really nice. They managed to mesh that in really, in a really fun way. When you get to one, you start thinking, what, what, what's this bit of the album? What are you doing here? And then suddenly it goes back, and you think, oh, okay, right, I understand. Well, I don't understand, but I, I, I see where this is going now. And end like. The other thing is, should be said as well, the, the guitar playing, the drumming, it's it's all much more rock and hardcore bass. There's a lot of like more chuggy riffs. There's, there's no real moments of technicality or even going mm. all that fast in this album. A lot of it's done with tone and just well-chosen riffs. Yeah. And just the intensity of vocals over the top of it. Um, yeah, I think, I, unless you've got anything else to add, I think that pretty much covers this. No, one. I think that's pretty much everything, yeah. I, I'd really recommend checking it out, particularly, you know, if you only know a bit of hardcore or noise rock, and I'm not. I don't know a huge amount about those genres, unfortunately, but yeah, this is this is great. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna play uh, a bit from the first track of the album.
number 11, which is the sort of final in the trilogy of quite upsetting and difficult to listen to bands. Uh, this is Brooklyn's uh, Pryron, who were formed in 2008. Uh, this is their third album called What Passes for Survival. Uh, and this is, I think, for me, it was one of the hardest to listen to on this list, but now I've given it <laughs> quite a bit of time, starting to really get into it. It is this extreme, all-over-the-place, atmospheric death metal with bits that almost feel as if they're anti-melodic. You know, the complete opposite of a nice melody. Uh, this barely controlled and harnessed chaos which is somehow brought into a manageable package, which I now think I quite like. Mm. Um, I don't know if that says bad things about <laughs> me. Yeah, same as Rob was saying, like... This album was just scary on first listen. It was just too much. It was complete chaos. This is the closest to just utter confusion I've ever had listening to music. And this, the album starts with the Happy Victims Creed. And the intro is just purposely like cut bits of their sound. <laughs> like just random blasts of like two seconds of chaotic music. Yeah, yeah. Cuts out back in and, and then finally resolves into what the actual sound is. Which is that without the gaps? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's incredible. Like, a lot of these riffs, I just don't understand how anyone wrote them. But again, it has this crazy driving energy to it, which very few bands can manage because none of them sound this odd. None of them have riffs which jump around like these ones do and make sort of weird guitar noises as well mm. um, in a sort of similar way to Before I'm At that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, so like very much like before I met earlier, this is that like kind of oh like there's a lot owed to like say earlier castle decapitation where it's that mm. that mixture of more technical death metal with grindcore, but this is just taking it to the nth degree. I've never heard anything quite this uncontrolled, quite this yeah, just mind bending. You can't ever resolve what's going on. Yeah, right? yeah. The drums, I like. I, he never holds anything down particularly. He just seems to constantly be stopping and starting at high pace. It's kind of similar to listening to bands like Ulcerate. I don't know how they keep time. Uh, mm. It seems so difficult. I don't know how you write that drums along to that riff and manage to get that to work and then manage to keep it there. It's constantly moving and constantly doing something a little bit different, as you were saying, just stopping and then starting again after, you know, like a tenth of a second. But there is that tiny pause in there. But but also beyond, like, Ulcerate, like, Ulcerate at least have the atmospheric guitars that kind of hold things together. With this, the guitar's not, like, I guess it eventually resolves the atmosphere, but what the guitar's actually doing is just being horrendous, like, (laughs) nonsensical leads or, or just, like, like rhythmically dissonant stuff with the bass and like yeah, yeah. everything is all over the place and the vocalist is just screaming completely out of hand over all of it nothing sounds like it sounds like a band recording four different albums at once <laughs> like, and they're all horrible albums and yet somehow all of that works into like a really nice piece of extreme music which is kind of a joy to listen to because of how many curveballs it throws at you at once Mm. and how much you have to try to resolve. And there's something really cool about that extremity. It's what we were talking about, about the first time you heard a death metal band or a technical death metal band and you thought, what the hell is that? You get that same thing, but then when you put a bit of time in, you really begin to get a lot out of it. There's an awful lot to listen to here and an awful lot to, you know, examine when you listen to it. Yeah, yeah, completely. It's... Again, much like uh, with a lot of the albums we were talking about earlier, it's worth listening to over and over again because it will make more and more sense. So first listening, you're not going to fall in love with this. And mm-hmm. and it's got a lot in uh, common with Primitive Man, very similar kind of lyrical themes. Like, mm-hmm. That kind of um, very modern sounding stuff. Like just the way the way they've written lyrics, like the way it comes off, just 
it gives the kind of feel, like, at least I got this a lot, of just like the hell of innocent city living. Um, yeah. It's like the, the end track, the 12 minute uh, epic empty tenement spirit mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. <laughs> really sums that up. And like most of the album is so fast and so complex. That track's actually quite an interesting one because it, it's the point where they suddenly slow down and try something a bit different. Yeah, yeah. Approach melody, but never quite get there. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's solos on this which feel completely anti-melodic to me. It's sort of, it just, it seems like it's a bunch of random notes just picked out and thrown together. And somehow, it, when you listen to it and you've got like, you've given enough time to really get into it, you think, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I know I keep referencing Castle Decapitation, but they just, they the singer Doug Moore has a lot in common with yeah. Travis Ryan of just, like, every technique in the book. Yeah, like, yeah. You have super deep to these high screams to everything in the middle. Yeah, um, yeah. Doug Moore recently voted on Metal Sucks the Sexiest Guy in Metal, defeating Peter Steele, so mm. that's quite an accolade. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see him myself. I guess he's kind of buff. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's certainly an incredible vocalist. Mm, again, mm. I, a band I'd love to see do this live because I just yeah, don't know what yeah. would happen. Yeah, it seems almost impossible to resolve what's going on. Yeah, I, I, I just don't know. I don't know how anyone would remember. <laughs> like, how do you learn the whole of The Invisible Hand Holds a Whip? Like, it just... That song... None of, none of these it, songs make sense. Yeah, is it even possible to write a tab for that song? Yeah. Is it, this album just completely bowled me over with just how out there it was and mm-hmm. and how they, they made a coherent 45 minute long album with all these elements with, like it didn't doesn't overstay its welcome like which you think it might just being that hard to listen yeah, to sort but, of abrasive but actually I find the length is really good because as it goes on you kind of you get into it and you start yeah, getting yeah. it. And you start to get these weird musical motifs which don't feel like they belong in even extreme death metal. And then you realise, no, this is just pushing extremity a degree further. Yeah. Which is, you know, an amazing thing for bands to still be doing. Yeah, much like Primitive Man, these two need to be really applauded for the, mm. the amount they're doing with with just writing intense music. Yeah. And um, as with most really interesting death metal, it was recorded, mixed and mastered by Colin Marston. Um, because he's apparently involved in every interesting death metal band that's going on <laughs> yeah. at the moment. So, like, Colin Marston, we covered at length in our Tech Death episode a little while back, but um, current bass player for um, Gorguts, but also runs their studios in Kralis, who released an interesting mm. album this year, which just one I didn't have, came out quite recently, I've not had time to dissect. Yeah. Kralis' albums are really complex as well. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's in a million and one things, and just seemed, he's a master of that kind of, extremely natural sound mm, his albums mm. sound like a band performing live but a band performing live being caught perfectly yeah like yeah. you would hear everything it's really clear but it still sounds real and I, yeah it has that organic nature and that intensity to it that you only really get from live shows yeah yeah and this yeah this is just made all the more punishing by that kind of feel mm, mm. it is just start to finish this is such a ride of an album but <laughs> it's worth it it's just really, really intense. <laughs> and, I, and I do love like the way they've made everything purposely that off-pussing. Like, mm. the intro is just such a fuck you to yeah, people. Yeah. Well, you know, like that's the spirit of really extreme music. It is exploring the boundaries of what you can do and can people still get into it? And I think if you give it a chance, like a lot of people will really be able to get on board with this. So yeah, yeah definitely yeah. give it a try if you're into that. You know, if you're into things like Cat of Decapitation or Gore Guts or Death Metal that really pushes it or any like really extreme music that's pushing the boundaries, 
give it give it a few tries probably because the first one probably won't probably won't work. Yeah, uh, the the other thing I really want to talk about with this is yet another brilliant cover. This year there's been oh, so yeah. many yeah. good album covers, which I really like. The return of this with bands, um, yeah, just seemingly getting great artists. So the artist I've not written down their name, but the artist who did this one like was hardly on any other album covers. Mm. The album's called What Passes for Survival, and the cover is like a kind of mange-infested wolf stuck in a trap. But the yeah, way the cover's yeah. done, it's like kind of quite hard to look at, which is the perfect <laughs> thing for this band. Yeah, it's, it's got quite a like off-putting colour scheme to it, which works really well, because I've just been thinking that, no, I never really paid that much attention to it, because it's kind of off-putting. But yeah, that's exactly yeah. what you want. Yeah, yeah. It's, that, it's so, like, in an age where we're going very digital with stuff, it's still, I feel, really important to marry good art with what you're doing musically. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's something so you can you can communicate, especially a band like this where it's very hard to hear what most of the lyrics are. You can communicate a huge amount of your message if you get the right artwork. And this this album is just a perfect example of that. Couch up before we're another yeah. like just that cover is so perfect for what yeah, they're just doing. When you, when you get the right artwork combined with the right music, it just gives you this really nice artistic package, which together just yeah gives exactly the message the music's going for yes yeah, so i i think that's probably all we're going to say on it they're a band i think both me and rob found relatively recently so much yeah, like primitive yeah. man just need to give it more listens mm. um this is going to be where we leave it for the first half of our end of the year roundup we'll have another episode out in a week where we do the the top 10 we promise there'll be some actual nice melodies <laughs> in it like i'm very sorry those three ended up in a row yeah i think but... i think some of the next few bands are going to be a bit well okay the next band's going to be easy to get on with there, there's there's a there's, there's a few well no they, we've definitely covered the two most oppressive this year yeah um <laughs> But yeah, I highly recommend these albums. And as always, you know, get in touch with us, let us know what you think, because we would have missed so many great ones this year. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, and I think there's a few others we've sort of previously mentioned, like stuff like Kralis, which are in this vein of very, very um, intense metal that we just couldn't put all of them in. Yeah, so, yeah. You, you won't always, uh, you know, you'll, you'll find you'll come back to albums that are released years earlier that you sort of wrote off a little bit at the time. I just didn't have the time to get into. And then you'll realise, actually, this is really good. And so, as always, this list is provisional on yeah. finding more things and rediscovering some of the stuff we saw. Ah, it's not too great. It's actually amazing. Yeah, yeah. So get us in touch. Let us know your favourites from 2017. Mm. Let us know the stuff we've missed about these bands as well because yeah. this is not our usual like super heavy research. These are bands... Like a, there's a couple in this list. I think the albums only came out like a month ago. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I think we tried our best to like find what we could this year. But yeah, there's going to be so much cool stuff we missed. Mm. Let us mm. know. So get in touch at philsbreakfastmetal at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook at Phil's Breakfast Metal, and you can contact us on Twitter as well at, at Breakfast Metal. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Also, if you'd be so kind, uh, reviews on iTunes are always yeah. great. It would be lovely to get a star rating there eventually. Yes. Yeah, it'd be really cool. But, I mean, reviews of four stars or higher, please. Less <laughs> <laughs> than that, I'm not going to be too happy yeah, with. Yeah, a high star rating. <laughs> We've only got one so far, so if you put a one star one up, we're fucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah on that note um, we'll leave you with a clip from uh, Brian's What Passes for Survival this is Goat Mockery Ritual yeah please don't take revenge on us and give us a low star rating for how aggressive this is (laughs) 